Welcome to another episode of Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts. I'm your host and the head of community at Pod People, Tyler Green. This week, we are shining a spotlight on our community member, Sam Walker. On our first community spotlight, we spoke with the indomitable Corey Cambridge, which if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you go back and do that. In this second community spotlight, we talked to the founder and managing director of What Goes On Media, the human ray of sunshine that is Sam Walker. On any given day, you can find Sam producing and hosting her own podcast, Desert Diaries, or consulting on any number of podcasts from the U.S. to the U.K., The UK, in fact, is where Sam started her career in audio. She is an award-winning broadcaster with an impressive 15-year career working for the BBC in Manchester. One day, Sam decided to uproot her family and move to the United States, Phoenix, Arizona, specifically. Now, no knock on Phoenix. I hear it's actually quite lovely, but I had to start our conversation there by asking, why do that? I think because life is very, very short Mm. and we, myself, my husband, my two girls wanted to squeeze every last drop out of it. There's a whole big world and you can stay here and do the same thing or you can go and dive in. We'd visited the States loads and we loved it. And I think because it is so big and so crazy and there are 50 countries in one and We just really loved exploring it. And we didn't have $5 million to buy a house in Manhattan, which was really frustrating. And so we looked around to places that would feel... It is really frustrating that we don't have $5 million, isn't it? I know, I know. And and similarly with LA, we were like, we like LA. That's a nice house. That's $10 million. This is crazy. (laughs) And so a friend of ours had moved to Phoenix. And when we were visiting San Diego the year before, he came to visit. And he was like, Phoenix is amazing. It's this massive city, but it's in a desert. And there are mountains mountains and cacti and crazy places to walk and yet there's a city so there's bands and theatre and music and books and so much stuff and we were like huh I don't really know where this place is and we visited (laughs) we came to see him the next year and we were sitting in a pool with a beer at five o'clock and it was 110 degrees and we were looking at a cacti and a sunset and a mountain and went this place is crazy this is Mm. crazy this desert city let's do this. And my husband picked up his phone and he Googled, he's a data scientist, he Googled senior data scientist Phoenix and a job popped up and he literally attached his CV and applied for it in a pool. And then we threw the phone on the side and went, ha ha ha, we just applied for a job. Yeah. So nine months later, we're on a plane and we're moving here. (laughs) It was crazy, crazy. The ending of that story just snuck up on me. I was was waiting for a whole lot. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. So you have this podcast that you created called Sam Walker's Desert Diaries mm, yeah. that I think mostly keeps us in the loop on this journey that you're having in the yeah. desert. When and where did you choose to make the show? I would like to say that I had planned this meticulously for months and months and months before we moved here. What actually happened, Tyler, was I went crazy crazy it was so difficult moving to another country who knew is a really big deal and so my mind was all over the place I was a mess I was crying every five minutes saying goodbye to everyone I was super excited to come we have loads of animals and they were all going on the plane and we were like what are we doing and we were literally the day before we were due to come an old colleague of mine at the BBC said to me do you know what I'd love because the listeners are really going to miss you you know I was on BBC Radio Manchester for 
kind of 15 years. I was on BBC Radio 5 Live, you know, the national station there for like nearly 10 years. And I'm like, listeners are going to miss you. Mm. Why don't you do us like a three minute update every week and just tell us how you're getting on? I went, yeah, okay, whatever. And he said, we'll play it out on BBC Radio, do that. And I went, okay, bye. And then got on a plane and then arrived and thought, oh, shoot, I've got that thing I need to do for Phil. Oh, man, right, okay, I need to get that done. And I recorded... They were always more than three minutes because I'm me and uh, I talk a lot. And so they just started. And then it was about six months of absolute madness down the line when we'd been through so much in this first six months. But I kept this audio journal. And so I had it all. And so I made it all into a podcast. They're really super short. So they're really snackable. So I have a lot of people who Mm. say they listen to like three months of my life in one go or whatever. Mm. But it's just become this really lovely community and I'm so glad I have it for my own family's history, you know, of this crazy thing that we've done. But it goes on BBC Radio every week as well and it was a complete accident. It happened, really. (laughs) So you moved here, obviously, before COVID Mm -hmm. and now it's today, which is, you know, the end of the first year of COVID, hopefully the end of COVID, at least as we know it. How has this time been? And Mm. I'm sure a million bazillion things have happened. And yeah, you could go listen to the episodes on the back catalog of Sam Walker's Desert Diaries. But just how do you feel? One podcast I make weekly with one of my clients who's still in the UK is called Northern Power Women. And Simone Roche, who's the most brilliant woman, who's the founder of Northern Power Women, came up with this phrase, which I know has been used a lot now, but the Corona Coaster. And that is what Mm. I feel I have been on, this Corona Coaster. And it's very hard. You know, I have an elderly father in England who I haven't seen for over a year. I have a very, very sick mother in Australia who incredibly is still alive because she's very sick and wasn't given very long to live in September 2019. Hmm. Against all odds, she's still here. And it seems incredibly cruel that she's still here. And yet I can't see her. And I don't know if I will see her. It's really hard. If I think if I sit and think about those things, it's really tough. But then I also know the way the world is that I'm not unique in that. And I think in a weird way, everyone going having their own battles and fighting, you know, with their own challenges in a way makes it easier because everyone understands what it's like. And even in the UK, I have friends whose parents might have been an hour and a half away, but there's been such strict lockdown there. We cannot imagine, because we're here in the States, what it is like in the UK. You can't leave your house. I mean, you literally can't leave your house unless it's an emergency or your 10-minute exercise window a day or whatever it might be. It's super, super strict. So in a really weird way, I couldn't have seen my family much more than I have been anyway. But it's Mm. hard. I think it's the uncertainty that's hard. I've got, you know, a very close friend who was due to come and visit last year. I haven't seen her. We're so close. And Thank goodness for WhatsApp. Thank goodness for FaceTime video. All of these things. So I can be literally walking my dog up the mountain by my home and call my best friend and call my dad and call my mum and just go, I'm up a mountain and it's really hot. Oh, it's Mm. raining where you are. What a surprise. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, I would say as hard as it's been for many, many, many reasons and some horrible things have happened to us, some really difficult things have happened in this mad journey. I still, I think when there's something you've always wanted to do, like change your life in such a radical way, the fact you have even done it, even on dark days, you can look out the window and think, huh, I'm Mm. here. And I look out the window and see a cactus and a mountain and I go, I did it. And that kind of makes you think you can do anything because it was not an easy thing to do. And, you know, we meet people here in the States who go, what do you want to move here for? (laughs) Mm. And it's like, that's not the point, is it? Because everyone's... 
idea of adventure is different. Maybe your big dream, Tyler, is, I don't know, to go and breed miniature donkeys. I don't know what your passion may be, but you know what I mean? $10 million house in the Hollywood Hills would be my I would like one of those as well. But I don't want to pay for it. Oh, gosh, who does? No. So, I mean, it's not about about saying, well, I wouldn't want to do that, therefore it's not valid. (sighs) It's saying, wow, you know, I think that's what it is. I still have not regretted. It's been so super hard at times. I've not regretted it for a moment. Obvious question here, but how have you found work? I mean, you had this illustrious yeah. career, and um, now you're here in in <laughs> Phoenix uh, talking to me in my closet. So how did you? How did you? Um, not to imply that you have had you have to find work, but I know yeah. that you work. So like, I think the what are first you doing? six months I was here was very hard. Number one, because we were moving to a country where we had no credit history, despite being grown ups, you know, didn't mean anything. You know, we couldn't buy a car. We couldn't rent a home. We couldn't get a credit card. We couldn't get a utility. bill. perhaps put $500 down on our utility bill before they'd even let us have the Internet in the house. This sort of thing, because America doesn't recognize credit history from many other countries. So right. we had all these huge challenges, you know, finding my girls schools. Oh, they didn't have the right shots because they hadn't been born in this country. What do you mean they haven't had a shot for this this disease. Yeah, well, you don't have those in England. Well, they need to be done now or you can't put them in school. Now? Ah! So it was day after day after day. It was, it was an onslaught constantly of, of stuff that needed to be done. And I think then my mum unfortunately got really sick and I had to fly to Australia to look after her after an operation. She was diagnosed with lung cancer and I'd been there three days waiting for her to come out of surgery thinking, oh gosh, my mum's quite a difficult person sometimes. And I was like, oh, you know, I've got two weeks of her not being very well to look after her. Oh gosh, it's going to be quite challenging. The surgeon then came out and told me and said, I'm sorry, actually, we have found something we didn't think we'd find and we can't help her. So it went from being, oh my gosh, I've got two weeks of a very sick mum to look after to, oh my gosh, I haven't got very long of my mum left. And that was on my own on the other side of the world. And I just moved my family to another country and it was overwhelming. So I bundled her into an RV and took her on a road trip because I didn't want to sit around the house feeling maudlin, which me being an audio person then got turned into an episode on Duolingo Um, and various episodes of my podcast, which I won an award for and all these things. So it kind of that was really lovely to have this this kind of validation for work through adversity, really. Mm. But I think the toughest thing for me when I first got here, aside from dealing with all of that, was when you've come from being a national broadcaster in a country, and it's kind of embarrassing to say this, but people know who you are. And mm. I could send an email and go, hi, I'm Sam Walker from Five Live. And people would reply to that email. In this country, yeah. people are like, ne? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> Never heard of you. And it was like, wow, I'm reaching out to people. And they're not replying. Wow. Mm. But I'm very, very, very lucky in that as soon as people did start replying, they didn't stop replying. So I'm I'm really lucky and I'm so aware this pandemic has been so cruel and tough for so many people. Yeah. I have never been busier. I'm so, so, so busy, which has been amazing. And I feel really lucky to have worked on so many fantastic projects. My brain's been like, you know, mile a minute doing all these different projects, which has been really, really great fun. And that I think has been a blessing that I'm really thankful mm-hmm. for that in this really tough time. I would have quite liked to have learned to cook a perfect risotto and mastered yoga, but I haven't had time for those things. So Banana bread. Do you know what? I'm a killer at banana bread anyway. I make a lot of banana bread in this house. We're going to need some of that banana bread. I live in San Jose, so there's, it wouldn't cost that much to ship. I'd it's be happy to pay far. for it. not very far. I'll pop yeah. by. Yeah. Okay, great. That's even better. Jeez. <laughs> I'm curious. What is it like? Like, what are the differences between working with clients 
in, say, the UK versus here? On one level, I think the UK is way behind the US in the capabilities of podcasting, and especially branded content, what branded content can do for your brand. Some of the projects I'm working on here the budgets are literally 10 times a budget that the UK would offer. And when sometimes if I price up a job for the UK, people are like, what? I mean, I was telling mm. this actually to your your head of production the other day that <laughs> someone got in touch with me, you know, a really great person, you know, nice organisation and said, oh, we'd love, you know, we've heard about you and your reputation and we really love this other podcast you make and would you be interested in, you know, and I said, yeah, yeah, I can help you out. And I really liked their organization. I said, you can do some really powerful things with this. It was around young women. I really liked it. And I said, look, before I can tell you, it's like, how long's a piece of string? It's like saying I want a house or I want a car. I mean, you can spend a million dollars or, you know, $20 million or $100,000. So I need to get an idea of what your budget is. And then we can craft something around that. And she went, right, a thousand pounds. And I went, a thousand pounds. Okay, right. So for that, she went, yeah, for 10 episodes. And I was like, so, hmm. sorry, a £1,000 per episode? For t-? She was like, no, for all 10. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we need to have a conversation. <laughs> and in fact, once I'd explained to her what the process is and what she wanted to achieve. and But the thing is, I think the problem is, you know, someone can go onto Fiverr or a similar site and find some sure. editor who will edit and I'm doing bunny ears, bunny ears for 25 bucks when really they're just taking the audio and you're not even editing it at all or you know you know the story so I think that's the difference is that there's some people who who don't really have an idea but I would say the UK is definitely behind in that aspect and that I will also say with clients being British we're all about manners don't you know we're all about Mm. please and thank you so whereas in this country if I'm sending a rough cut to someone they'll reply and go Cut, 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 remove, redo, da, bosh. And in England, they go, I'm so sorry. Would it be possible to possibly just reduce that gap at the end of the music just a couple of seconds? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Is that okay? Can you possibly just do that? <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm used to working with both kinds of people now, but in, in Britain, people generally really apologize if they need to move, change anything about what you've done. Whereas here, obviously, it's just business, you know, it's like, move that, change that, do that. And you're like, okay. <laughs> My favorite answer. I love that so much. So you've been making audio for quite a while. 150 and... years. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. Maybe a tenth of that or more. <laughs> I'm curious what it's been like to watch the industry evolve in the way that it has. And in a lot of ways, podcasting has become a behemoth. I think, again, what's really interesting, I remember coming to the States in sort of 2015. 14, 15, I was in New York and I went to WNYC just to kind of say, hi, hello, let's have a cup of tea and talk about things because I was really interested because podcasting in the UK at that time was, oh, if there's a radio show on, they'll do a cut down and put that out and say it's a podcast. And there was just nothing. And I remember I was at Five Live at the time and I went to talk to my boss there after I'd been to WNYC and said, why aren't we making podcasts? Oh, we do. We've got podcasts of those shows. I was like, they're not podcasts. They're radio shows that are repurposed. Why aren't we making original content? And that was, I said, sort of 2015-ish. They still wasn't being done in the UK. And Mm. that really, really surprised me. So I was so excited about the industry here, which is another reason why I wanted to come, because everything was just evolving so far in advance. You know, when the whole kind of startup thing happened and Gimlet exploded, people in the UK were going, huh? What? You know, it was just like night and day. It was so different. I think Mm. what's exciting and challenging now is how many people are doing it. And I don't think... 
I mean, everyone says, oh, another another podcast, another bloody podcast. You know, someone said to me the other day, oh, another podcast. I said, you don't say another book, do you? Oh, not another TV show. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's exactly the same. It's the same yes. thing. Why? You know, but mm. I think, again, there is that lack of understanding amongst some people about what it takes to make craft really great audio and someone yeah. said to me oh why do you need a microphone why do you need that you just do it with your mobile phone and, and mix it on garage band or whatever and i'm like you can and i said and here's this actually this is my book that's just come out i should plug that i said you could get a book like this or i could just go through and i could write this book out on pieces of paper and then i could spill coffee on it and my dog can pee on it and i can give you that and go it's the same content what's the difference well because who's going to take it seriously if it doesn't package really really nicely that's what you have to do and you want to be taken seriously you got to put the work in i love that you know we at pod people support everything you just said <laughs> <laughs> last question we have 60 seconds for you to answer the big question so this is a new show that we're making for our community members and if somebody is not a pod people community member yet and by the end of this episode they're like yes i'm gonna fill out that survey and join this community i'm curious to hear you talk about what you love about pod people and kind of the role that it's played in your life and the role that it can play in other community members lives pod people is absolutely central to me being here in america meeting rachel as i did your great leader in oh my gosh was it 2016 i can't remember Mm. she is an incredible person she's a visionary she's a great leader you have a very very supportive community you give a i'm gonna swear a shit about the people who work for you you're not just kind of collecting the money and ticking boxes it's a place where actually if you need help you need support you reach out and go i'm stuck i don't understand how to do this bit or the client's mean or how can i deliver this on time there's no judging and finger waving there's like hey we're here we got you we'll help you we're going to make something great together it's really good it's really good Thank you for saying that. And I would just say to you that every single person on this team has said so many amazing things about you. Like daily. You're like kind of like a daily fixture of conversation. Um, So thank you for being you. And I very much admire your journey. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I'll send banana bread. That's our show for this week. Thanks again to the very talented Sam Walker for stepping into her sound booth for a minute so we could chat. And thank you, dear listener, for listening. We are so happy to hear from some of you who are out there listening. On next week's episode of Pod People's Podcast for People Who Make Podcasts, our in-house project manager, Danielle Roth, walks us through the production how-to we all strive to get right the first time. Scheduling. I feel like a good schedule is like underappreciated, but it's so, so, so helpful in preventing problems. The Pod People team is Rachel King, Ann Fuse, Matt Sav, me, Tyler Green, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Ashton Carter, Isabel Genius, Alexa Brooks Major, Devin Wilson, Persia Verlin, and Erica Wong. This podcast is edited by Katie Clarkson and mixed and engineered by Erica Wong. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Join us at facebook.com slash P-O-D-P-P-L. All of these links and anything fun mentioned in the show are linked in the show notes. Are you interested, possibly now, in becoming a part of the Pod People community? Just fill out our intake survey at podpeople.com slash producers. We would love to find your next dream gig for you. You can also email us at hello at podpeople.com. Talk to you next week. 
the thing to do is is just be passionate. Put your put your hours in. It's those ten thousand hours again. You know, someone said to me the other day, when you when you're on that podcast you make, how do you sound so natural? And I was like, <laughs> twenty years. 20 like, bloody years is how long like it takes. <laughs> when the person in the theater Q&A is like, how do you memorize all those yeah. lines? It's like, it's my job. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 